0: Hi there, this is Fei Wu, and you're listening to the Face World podcast. Today on the show, we welcome Annette McDonald, who is a social service advocate and started the Access Family Services in New Jersey that provides shelters and transitioning homes to women and children who are victims of domestic violence. She's a single mom with limited resources, and she's been doing this for 18 years today we share her incredible stories and those she helped along the way you know and but you've encountered so many real life examples in 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 my book anyway that you know just as much and to interact with people who are going through that that do you have any advice or perhaps if people are listening to this and if they're going through some of these issues at the moment, like how to identify when someone is, there is a power control dynamic or they are at the beginning of something.
1: Yeah. There are some things that we, we'd like to identify as red flags. If if you have a friend, if a friend is with you and she's constantly saying, well, Faye, I, I, I can't come tonight. And she said it 10 times, she's never allowed to go out with you. She's uh, being isolated from maybe her family and you're seeing that or she never has any money uh, to spend when you go out. There are different uh, abusive tactics that abusers use, right? Uh, So the most you can do is and of course not judge or anyone who's listening is not judge that person you might see her with a bruise on her face she might be your coworker at work and each time a phone rings and it's cl- a time for her to go home she's very nervous right because he's checking now he's checking the time when she leaves work what time is she going to end up at home she can't be 5 minutes late and you might recognize that doesn't seem right uh, she's doing this. So, I would recommend if you're with someone, you, you just express concern. I noticed this is happening. it's It's a couple times. Would you mind if I ask you, are you okay? Are you sure? there's something that I can do to help you because i'm I'm concerned. Again, out of love. So those are some some of the things. Uh, there's a lot, many, many different signs that uh, you can identify and and possibly ask someone if they're if they're okay or to let them know that you're concerned.
0: This is so important because you know I almost feel like we we never had a course in school whether it's secondary school or college a course on how to on self protection whether that is physically how to protect yourself but some of these psychological barriers are even greater because it's really sneaky. And you don't even see it coming. And it's, you know, it's kind of ingrained in kind of your part of your life. And a lot of people, you know, I don't know whether when people grow up in a household where they've seen that perhaps are almost mentally better prepared for it, you know, or when people, most people haven't seen that and they have no way of protecting themselves or seeing this for others.
1: Right, so and that's very, very important that you said that because the psychological abuse and the manipulation, those are some of the most difficult things to prove, even in court when you're going for a restraining order. and you'd have many people just say that is it hurts more than the physical violence at times, I would hear, because the psychological piece never goes away. A brute may. But the, the walking on eggshell, the feeling as though uh, any move you make could be the wrong move at any time, that is powerful. And for someone to live with that and to have to live under those conditions, you can't imagine uh, how they feel once they come into shelter. I, I often see women when they come into shelter after, I would say, a couple days. As a matter of fact, I have... One woman recently, she came into shelter, and I have to tell you, she's an uh, an older person. And I said to her, "Oh my goodness, how do you look? Almost twenty years younger, and you've only been here four days." And she said, "Oh my gosh, Annette, Uh, my friend, my best friend uh, said I look ten years younger," And, and so. And it doesn't necessarily mean that she was being physically battered, but the psychological abuse that she was going through and the manipulation and the threats to keep her outside or do something very sneaky and manipulative, as you said, was really weighing her down and aging her. So when we see the women and the children come in shelter and we're able to offer that little respite for them to get themselves together, it it means the world. It really does. And
0: so, I'm interested also in the entrepreneurial aspect of um, Access Family Services because, you know, a lot of people think that okay, I need to have a certain last name, or I need to have a certain amount of wealth in order to contribute. In your case, you mentioned this is nearly 20 years ago. Not only that you weren't born into a family that simply gave you the wealth to do this, you had you're so scrappy, you. Didn't have a lot of support or even knowledge of your on your own.
1: Like, how
0: did you start?
1: Absolutely, what I was blessed with, and I should say that is uh, some knowledge from my years of doing this work and working to towards becoming a domestic violence specialist and 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 understanding a little bit about failure, <laughs> a lot about failure and trying. And you mentioned entrepreneurship. I think I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I am a risk taker. I've done entrepreneurial things, even from a teenager. However, when it came to doing this particular business, because it is a business, even though we say it's nonprofit, it's a, it, we have to buy toilet paper. We have to buy soap. We have to d- different things. The, the lights have to be kept on. So it is a business at the end of the day. However, when you're in a service-oriented business like this is, not everybody or anybody's out there that's going to say, oh, Annette, we hear you're starting a domestic violence uh, program, so here's a million dollars. As a matter of fact, Bay, I applied for a million dollars. I did not get it to do a program. There was a gap in, in the county that we are in right now for housing. Housing is really important. You mentioned you worked with the, the, the homeless. It is so vitally important for the women who are leaving shelter to have a transitional space. And I thought maybe I will work on getting a transitional housing program. Turned out that was one of the most impossible thing to do with the, uh, all of the variances that you needed, all of the, uh, the approval from the, the different municipalities. It was very, very um, challenging. And I had raised some monies to help Put up a transitional housing program because that's what I thought I was going to do. It didn't work out. And we did not get that grant. But I knew still that housing is very important. And there was still a gap in services uh, for a shelter. And so, when after trying maybe about four times to try and get a specific transitional housing program and also a DV shelter, I decided to ask a realtor to help help me get this place where I am right now. He turned me down actually about three times. I think the fourth time I, I went to him, I said, listen, you're going to help me get this place. We need to save lives. This is why I'm doing this. And he decided to to help me. Um, prior to that, where the no money came in, into, uh, into play, I had uh, started just an outreach facility just to work with people in the community who need advocacy, where there are gaps in services to help them find housing, to help them link to different services in the community. And that was just with a local church. So he offered me a space uh, that I can work with the community from there. So we didn't have to pay the rent for that particular space, which is great. But I knew we were working towards a bigger vision, which is and was the eventually, what is now the shelter. And I mentioned to you the thrift shop and the entrepreneurial ideas that I come up with. And and so one day I saw a a homeless gentleman on, on the sidewalk. And the pastor of that particular church says, he gave me permission to use a space in the church to do like a rummage sale, uh, to try to raise the monies to help pay the phone bill because we needed money to pay the phone bill. We needed money to pay the light. And I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? I have no money. <laughs> and so, but I do have a space. And if I utilize that, it, it can somehow help us to do rummage sales on the weekend. And this young man was sitting on a park bench right in, right beside the church. And I walked past them one day and then looked back at him. And I said, Hey, you know, how are you? And he looked up at me and he said, I see you going in and out. Do you need any help? And I said, sure, can you? And he was a homeless uh, gentleman and uh, that's been sitting there for a while. And he, uh, long story short thing, he helped bring bags in and out every weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, to try to help us raise some monies to help with uh, just saving for the day when we had the opportunity to open the
0: shelter. Hi there, this is Fei Wu and you're listening to the Face World Podcast. Today on the show, we welcome Annette McDonald, who is a social service advocate and started the Access Family Services in New Jersey that provides shelters and transitioning homes to women and children who are victims of domestic violence. She's a single mom with limited resources, and she's been doing this for 18 years. Today, we share her incredible stories and those she helped along the way. Oh my God, it's a uphill... Battle for sure, and I look at you. I can I can imagine the eighteen year old self that you probably would love shopping, dressing up, and you know you you know I think most women certainly feel that way. I feel that way, and now you've found yourself in a business for nearly twenty years. Where I don't want to say there's no money to be found. I know people who choose to work. I know women who used to be an attorney. now working full-time for the homeless shelters here in Boston. And they love it. I can see her. I don't know how she does it. And, and and I don't have such a deep relationship with her, but I know many, many women I I know choose such career. How do you balance the two? You know, whether you have children, how your family react to, to this? Because you could, someone like you as a serial entrepreneur, you could make a lot of money elsewhere, many other ways, but doing this, that consumes you 24 seven, 365 days of the year.
1: Yeah, so the, the, the need that's not, the need is so great in our community for, for social services, period. For me, it's a great marriage, I like to think, between my entrepreneurial, visionary type of mind that I have, It's. it's I have to shut it down, of course, I have to shut it down sometimes, I get excited every day when I wake up, knowing that I'm coming to help another human being. That keeps me going, but balance is so very important, especially for us entrepreneurs. You're you're one yourself. And 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 so you mentioned balance that that sleep is really, really important. And I, I go to bed late at times. I don't even like want to say I'm more morning. I, just, I do what I have to do. I go home late. I have to wake up early. But I take care of myself internally, as you said, as we talked about earlier in terms of trying to eat right and trying to create that balance. And knowing that no matter what, my family still is the most important thing that I have. Most important people are my three sons that I have in my life. And so there is that balance and bringing them in to what I do and having them understand what I do is really, really important. And I started to do that while I was working at a couple of different agencies over the last 18 years. I've had my children go to travel with me to Washington, D.C. to help advocate for uh, VAWA, Violence Against Women's Act, and, and funding for programs in New Jersey to teach them a little bit about uh, community and community building and what you, in service to others. I've had them help serve food uh, at times. So for me, it's a little bit easier. What was the
0: transition like? Do you remember a time where maybe they were younger, like, Mom, can we just I don't know, do something else, go see a movie or something. Like perhaps their peers not doing what you were doing to where they are today as adults. Like what was that transition like, if you still recall?
1: I yeah, I'll I'll tell you with my with my younger one, not so much with the two older ones, but the younger one, oftentimes he's like, mom, uh, you're at the shelter, right? Again, you know. <laughs> Let, let me guess. <laughs> you're not on your way home, right? <laughs> so I, I, I get that uh, quite a bit, but uh, the the transition for the 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 two older boys, it, it wasn't as bad. It wasn't as bad as what I'm dealing with now with the 12-year-old because he does require more of my time. For some reason, the older one had each other. The younger one is pretty much it's him and I. And so he's uh, he's like, I need to go here and I need to go. And, Mom, you're at the shelter. But then <clears throat> they say, uh, oh, so when is when is the other event, Mom? Because um I can get up there and I can speak and I can tell them that you, they need to support. The, your organization. Oh, I love it. <laughs>
0: so- make, him, make him get up there and speak. Yeah. I love these stories because women, sometimes women and men feel like they need a whole structure to already be in place. They need to come from a certain background to do this.
1: And you're a single mom and- it, No, I'm I'm going to say no. I feel like, you know, there's this saying, build it and they'll come, but getting to build it is is one thing. It comes from the the strong belief that this is, and for social service workers, because there are many and you've interviewed some, and they just know that this is what they need to do to help another human being. If you had asked me, I don't even know how many years ago, I probably would say, "Oh, you're you're going to end up doing a uh, building an, an organization that serves women and children, and uh, you're going to be the founder, and you're going to have a domestic violence uh, shelter with 15 beds." I would say, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, 40 years ago, possibly, when people were trying to save lives and there was a movement uh, many years ago to do to do that, but to To put an organization together to have a nonprofit within the last four years or so in in our economic times is, is probably near impossible, right? But I one thing that I'll tell you is and again, it's it's that mindset. And I've had to do a lot of work as an entrepreneurial thinker with my mindset to stay positive, to stay focused, despite all the odds against. Building and, and having this this safe house, no matter what uh, i I kept my eye on the prize, and the prize was helping families stay safe mm-hmm. and Once I know that I was solid with what i my my vision and my mission was, I believe that the universe send people my way they do it does,
0: but I have to you know, ask since we have a few minutes left about your real estate business, because I feel like that potentially is fueling into giving you the possibility to do what you do. So could you talk a little bit about that? And I think it's a really smart investment on your part as
1: well. Yes. So I remember growing up with my mom, when I came to this country, she's always talked about owning property and she never owned a piece of property then, but she's always talked about real estate and it being a really good investment. And my mom's name is Sylvia, by the way, and we actually named the shelter in her memory. She passed away last year. So the shelter is Sylvia's place dedicated to her. She's a you know, survivor and an immigrant who helped so many people stay in her apartment and until they can get uh, on their feet. There are many people that lived with us. so. But I decided to invest in real estate at a very, very young age. So you mentioned earlier about being 18 and shopping and loving the clothes and the shoes, which I love. And, and so I decided, uh, at, like as a very young age, at about 20, 21 or so, that I was going to save my money and invest in real estate. And that's what I did. So yes, while many of my friends are wearing the fabulous stuff, Ah, uh, for x amount of dollars, I was saving and planning on investing. and I did buy my first uh, property at about the age twenty two. And then I kept on finding ways to invest in in as well.
0: do you I assess I assume you probably have multiple real estates, you know condos that you've purchased, and
1: yes, yeah, some failed and some didn't. <laughs> that's that's the risk thing about uh being an entrepreneur and you you learn as you you go along i didn't necessarily have a a teacher to teach me i just took a chance and uh and you 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 do it just like you you said you you know you you've taken a chance and you're doing your podcast and you're 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 an entrepreneur you do your consulting business as well and one but service. I feel like the service uh, to others uh, not only fuels me, but I see that. And, and I hear that in your voice. You're using your podcast as a platform to empower people. And, and that's really, really awesome what you're doing.
0: I so appreciate that. And So if people want to help out, want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? And the follow-up question is, what are some of the opportunities to get some people involved uh, if they listen to this podcast?
1: So volunteerism is very key to helping many of our agencies in New Jersey, as it is key to helping our agency. Uh, This uh, Access Family Services would not exist without the slew of volunteers that I have currently and have had that helped really build this, the, the shelter program. There is so much work, so much money involved. I had uh, the Girl Scouts helping here, helping to, to get the shelter up and going as well. Uh, they, they can adopt a room. They can get on the website. We have AFSNJ.org if they would like to get on and make a donation or Contribute, like I said, to painting, doing anything. They can contact me through the website, uh, and we can talk about how they can contribute. It's it's a great way to give back. Really great way to give back.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And then I so appreciate you. Thank you for your time. I absolutely love the conversation. It's an extension of our relationship, and our conversation prior to this is so beautiful and.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for what you do. And thank you for bringing awareness and especially being October. Domestic.
0: Hi there. It's me again. I want to thank you very much for listening to this episode. And I hope you were able to learn a few things. If you enjoy what you heard, it will be hugely helpful if you could subscribe to the Phase World Podcast. It literally takes seconds. If you're on your mobile phone, just search for Phase World Podcast in the Podcast app on iPhone or an Android app such as Podcast Addict and click subscribe. All new episodes will be delivered to you automatically. Thanks so much for your support.